the tournament's weekly podcast from Harvey Bay. What is happening at the Fraser Coast Joey's Mini World Cup? As always we have some interesting topics for you. From the studio, our host, Heinrich Hausler, the tournament director. Notre podcast hebdomadaire, de Harvey Bay. Les sujets sont intéressants comme toujours votre modérateur dans le studio est Heinrich Hansler, le directeur du tournoi. Unsere wöchentliche Podcast, von HWB. Die Themen interessant wie immer. Ihr Moderator im Studio ist Heinrich Hausler, der Turnierdirektor. the second day of our travels through Queensland, I was lucky enough to catch up with Mike Mulvey, who currently is the technical director of Southwest Queensland Thunder and the first 11 football coach for Toowoomba Grammar School, one of the strongest supporters for the Fraser Coast Show's Mini World Cup. A very warm welcome to today's podcast, Mike, and I'm speaking with you from your Toowoomba office at the school. Yep, thank you. My pleasure. First of all, a little bit about yourself. You were born in England at Manchester. You started your playing career with Manchester United until your family migrated to Australia in 1981. Just tell our audience a little bit about the time in England, the move to Australia. How did you feel to leave such a famous club venturing into a foreign country far away from your homeland and to a football scene that for sure was worlds apart from the home of football England. Well, you're asking a, a lot of questions there, but uh, you know what, it's such a long time ago. You're right, I came here actually 1982 actually it was, and I'd had, I was 18 when I arrived here, and I'd been uh, to United for two years, and basically got the tap on the shoulder saying, listen son, you're not going to make it, and my family was already in the middle of emigrating, so I was going to stay, and decided no, that's it been released let's go so i came to australia and it was a, the first time i'd ever been on a plane actually at 18 so I flew from uh, manchester to london and then from london to australia into brisbane into queensland straight away i hooked up very quickly with brisbane lions who were in the old national league uh, i went training there with my brother and got a contract at brisbane lions and uh, played in the in, in the old National League. I was there for about four years. I was in and out of the first team, but in those days you had a job as well. So yes. I was looking for employment and, and what have you. So you had to marry the two together. So it was a, a momentous move and a great move and uh, one that, that, that I'm glad that we made at the time because it gave uh, myself and my sister and my brother opportunities that we probably wouldn't have had back home. Mike, your first senior coaching role was the inaugural coach for Ipswich Knights in 1990. I think. That's right, yes. And before you became the assistant coach for former A-League club Gold Coast United, and then in February 2012, it was announced that you had been named caretaker coach of Gold Coast United after head coach Miron Bleiberg left the club. Yeah. A very big name at that time, Miron. Oh, Miron's, Miron's a big name all the time. Yes. I think it was quite something to step into these shoes. Well, you, you probably missed out my best part of my own 
education, if you like, uh, which was the Queensland Academy of Sport. I was there from 1999 to 2008 and I had a wonderful time there and I learned so much about sport. I mixed with Olympic athletes and Olympic coaches, world champion athletes and world champion coaches uh, for 10 years in many informal settings where we're just going to have a coffee and we talk about training regimes, we talk about uh, nutrition, we talk about psychology. It was just, I was never clever enough to go to university, but that was my university for those 10 years. And I learned so much that, that I was, I've been able to adapt into any role that I've been involved in since then. After the club was dissolved, I believe you joined Melbourne Victory as the women's team coach. And after you transformed that team into a W League championship contender, you then sparked a lot of interest from A-League clubs yeah I you know when, when I got Gold Coast job I'd been there as the Miron took me there as a, as a youth team coach but also assistant first team coach so it was Paul Ocon Miron and myself were the, were the three people that worked at the club and Miron did a very good job because it was a start-up club and he, he brought a great bunch of guys together and we had some success and in the end it didn't work because Clive Palmer you know decided he had other plans so the club sort of was taken by the uh, FFA yes and, and then I moved on after taking those six games with uh, Gold Coast I moved on to uh, Melbourne because I just wanted to coach I went and took Melbourne Victory Women and then I got a knock on the door saying Brisbane Raw are interested so it's amazing that the people say oh never heard of this guy you're an overnight sensation but uh, if you look back uh, there's a lot of hard work goes into achieving those those kind of objectives which it was it was always an objective of mine to coach at the A-League at high level and I think it has formed you as a person to have all these different appointments but then finally in 2012 you were appointed head coach at Brisbane Raw Football on an interim basis before you got the permanent position in 2013 and you really had instant success with the Raw. Yeah, look, Brisbane Raw had had some success under Ange Postacoglu, a great deal of success. They'd won two championships. Then he left and then the club was down the bottom. Rado Vidicic had taken over and the, the club sent out an SOS and asked me to, to come along and I, and I joined and yeah, I was interim and February I got appointed full-time coach yeah. and and then we resurrected what what we needed to. We brought in a lot of new players as well and um, we had some success. Well, in the 2012-13 season, you took the Roar to the semi-finals of the Hyander A-League, losing 2-1 to Western Sydney Wanderers in the preliminary final. But in 2013-14, you took the Roar to a winning streak and they won their second Premier's Plate, third A-League Championship in four years. Your team, Brisbane Roar, won the Premier's Plate by 10 points, the second largest margin in the history of the alley. The team then went on to beat Melbourne Victory 1-0 in the semi-final and then beating the Western Sydney Wanderers 2-1 after extra time in the grand final to win the 2013-2014 A-League Championship. That was a wonderful achievement and we saw the Roar playing one of their best football ever. I was a big fan of the Roar then. It was just wonderful to watch the style of football they played. Yeah, thank you. Look, it was a great time personally because I was coaching my hometown team which is always an honour. Uh, we had we had a great set of fans that really enjoyed the football that we played. And, you know, was, if, if I look back there, it's it's fond memories. Um, I remember the game against Melbourne Victory in the semi-final. We beat them 1-0. The final itself, I remember it, it was a really great event. It was, it would live in my memory forever. Um, you know, we had a, a wall of fans from Western Sydney behind one goal and we had our fans in the den. And then the whole ground was packed at Suncorp. It was a really, really thriving afternoon. And, and it was a good game. Western Sydney took the game to us and, and got themselves in front and um, we equalised five minutes from the end actually. 
took it to extra time and then Enrique uh, Enrique scored the winner in, in, in grand final which was uh, like I say it was uh, a dream yeah, no, it, it was a wonderful time and a great time for the Roar too in uh, 2018 you became the head coach for the Central Coast Mariners and this was after you had a stint in Malaysia your football journey took you overseas yes well when I got dumped by uh, Brisbane Roar uh, look Every coach gets sacked, um, and my turn was uh, probably six months after we'd won the grand final, funnily enough. And I, I ended up in Malaysia. I coached a couple of teams in Malaysia, and I coached another team in Thailand. I had great times over there. But at the time, there was only 10 teams in the A-League, so you had to wait for someone to get a sack before you could get a, a new opportunity. So I wanted to coach, and, and I got opportunities to go overseas, and I really enjoyed that. But then I got a chance to come back and coach, uh, coach uh, Central Coast Mariners, which wasn't in hindsight, it wasn't the best decision at the time that I've ever made, but it is in the history books, and here we are now. Mike, your coaching style and your football philosophy was reflected when you were credited in 2014 that you had told the team, Brisbane Roar, to play the most tactical, savvy, and technically proficient football of all or any A-League team that year. That is a wonderful achievement and reflects your love for possession football, high tempo and a very attacking style of football. That is a lot of fun to watch and I think we owe it our fans to play that kind of football. Well, I think, look, it's very nice of you to say that and um, I do appreciate you saying that because for me as a coach, I want to be entertained. I want my team to entertain me and at the same time entertain everybody else. But there is a there is a small thing that gets in the way of that and that is winning or losing. Now, you won't find anybody as competitive or more competitive than I am. I want to win in everything that I'm involved in football. But you you have to have a way of uh, of approaching the way that you want to play. So, you have a vision got to have some values, got to have behaviours that underpin those values uh, and you've got to build a good culture and if you're able to do that, anything is possible. I have a saying that uh, attitude trumps ability any day of the week and I strongly believe that, you know, there's many more talented people sitting in the stands than there are on the pitch because they haven't got the heart for it or they got distracted one way or another. Um, so, you know, w- when you see, uh, and, and just, just even at the school everything's always relative the young lads here at the school are striving to be the best that they can possibly be uh, I've set out some guidelines for the way that we should be uh, looking at our uh, football and the way that we play and all that kind of stuff what I want to instill in them is is that competitive streak but also to do it our way if, if we can abide by that kind of guideline you know you go in the gym you work hard uh, you have good people around you who are teaching in certain areas in nutrition psychology uh, you make sure the academia is looked after because at the end of the day the apex of a, of a of, in football there's only very few people who get to the top and just just here's a mathematical situation for all parents out there to understand when i was in the a-league there was 10 teams 23 players per team 50 of them were foreigners five teams five players per team 20 of them were goalkeepers so that's 70 of 230 that gives you 160 players or positions professional footballer in australia that's a very small very, amount. very small number. so you've got to have a little bit of luck you've got to have a great attitude you've got to have great coaches and you've got to have that support from parents from teachers to help you get to the right level and all i all i want 
with any kid that I come across is for them to reach their potential, whatever that potential might be. When I'm working in the A-League, that potential is obviously a little bit higher than it is, say, at school. But still, these kids aspire to be the best they can be. And if they show that right application and that right uh, endeavour, then I'll be supporting them 100%. We have seen Gali Rasic, uh, Soko and FIFA World Cup coach, for about 10 years here at the school. We have seen Thiago, another wonderful coach, and not just with the school, also with Sander. And now Mike being here at the school and what we just heard from Mike. What a great attitude and what a great background to pass this on and guide these kids in their way to achieve their dreams, wherever it might take them. And I think that is so, so important. We have that dream and we have people that support this. So we are really looking forward to have you this year with the two Wumba Grammar First Eleven at Harvey Bay. This is the first time you will see the tournament and I would love to talk to you again after the tournament that you maybe can give us some pointers what you have seen or what you would try to install in such a tournament because it really is the tournament of dreams. Well, I've, look, I've, I've heard a, I've heard a lot about it, not, not just since I joined the school. I mean, I know Chris and I know uh, Peter Broadfoot and... Um, and they, they've told me about the, the trips that they've had to Germany, but also they've sent kids to America. So without trying to put too fine a point on it, I know that it's so important, I just mentioned it before, about having good support. If, if you take Peter and Chris out of Toowoomba, um, football is very, very poor. But it's, it's actually because those two guys actually live here and are invested in it, Toowoomba football is very rich because of that. And these, these young lads, and I'm sure they appreciate it, they might not show it all the time, um, but I certainly understand it. And, you know, they're still young enough, they could keep going for about another 10 years, hopefully, but we need to bring other people along the journey to, um, to take over from us, our older ones, in, in the future. That's right, Mike, and that's why we also have introduced at the Cup, I find it important that we take the kids overseas we can see their development when they come back not just as footballers, as persons Absolutely. but I thought it's actually the people who coach these kids give them an opportunity to go over there and work with high level coaches for four weeks and we have given subsidies to these coaches now and we do that every year well, I think there's nothing there's nothing better as a coach from uh, helping to develop a young man or woman um, in, in football and you know Tell them how important academic future is as well. You know, they've got to do their schoolwork and get to university where they can. But got to give them opportunities. You've got to... Someone said to me one day, you know, I'm aiming for the I'm aiming for the sky. Well, don't just aim for the sky. Aim beyond there because the stars and planets beyond there. So if we can help with anyone's dream, and, and that's why we're in these positions, I, I do see that, you know, an impediment is self-interest or egos can get in the way. But um, you never let that get in the way of, of uh, progress. It, it's just so good to see, gratifying to see a young boy or a girl who have come through the grades and have made something of themselves as a sports person, footballer, but also um, in life as well. And you know, the headmaster at Toma Grammar School is very strong on the, you know, uh, which I agree well wholeheartedly with. Is that can they be a good member of society? Can they add to society uh, and at the same time be able to um, live their own dreams as well? And that's what we hope to help to create. It is important for our society. Mike, thank you so much for talking to us today. And for sure, this won't be the last time. Thank you. Thank you very much.